Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Adam Coughlin about prioritization to drive success in our entrepreneurial endeavors and entrepreneurial mindset. Adam Coughlin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you for having me, John. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from New Hampshire. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about prioritization to lead towards entrepreneurial success. And we're going to talk about it specifically from a people lens and try to understand how we can be more successful in our entrepreneurial endeavors. I also think it's important to recognize, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, a lot of times we mean, we mean, you know, starting a business, uh, scaling a business, those sorts of things. Um, but I'm also a believer that all of us can be entrepreneurs in our mindset, in the way we approach our work. So even if we find ourselves in more of a corporate gig, uh, we can still be entrepreneurs and 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 promote ideas and build initiatives and things within our sphere of influence within the organization we might find ourselves. So I'm excited to have a nice conversation with Adam today. Before we get started, I wanted to share Adam's bio with everybody. Adam Coughlin is co-founder, CMO, and managing partner at York IE, where he leads the company's marketing efforts and its advisory services practice. Adam works with startups on foundational messaging, content, and communications, go-to-market strategy, and corporate storytelling. He also helps entrepreneurs find their voice and personal brand, which is integral in today's digital marketplace. Fantastic background. Again, a pleasure to have you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? No, I would just add that my uh, my journey to startup life is, uh, you know, not a rocket ship. Uh, as a young man, I tried a bunch of different things, uh, lived in Beijing, lived in Italy, worked as a reporter, worked as a teacher, and, you know, found that all of those experiences uh, ended up being very beneficial in the long run, uh, you know, in the in the gig that I have now. Yeah. And I've said this before with other guests on the podcast, but it really is true that most people, not everyone, some people kind of have a direct linear line in their career progression, but most people tend to have a bit of a zigzag as they're trying to figure themselves out, figure out their competencies, capabilities, their talents, their likes, their dislikes, uh, all that stuff. And, and then sometimes it's just life stage. Sometimes it's just the opportunities that present themselves to us. 
And, and so I, I think many of us, I'm the same way. I've, I've kind of been all over the place in, in terms of different things I've done in my life. I, there's kind of common threads that kind of weave through everything, but, but I've done and tried lots of different things. And I really like that. Perhaps that, you know, in part suits my personality because I perhaps get bored if I'm doing, you know, the same exact thing for too long. Um, but, you know, I, I do think people have to discover what works for them. And there's usually not, you know, a one size fits all kind of prescribed approach that's going to work for people uh, as they're trying to build their career. So we just well, have to be flexible the, enough. And I think the, like the the difficult part of this, the world that we live in today is that like everybody else's life and decisions are so in your face and it can be very easy to compare yourself, right? Like, so I, as I mentioned, I spent two years living abroad and, you know, when we're talking about the people perspective, just exposure to different cultures, being alone in a foreign land and having to ask yourself like the really difficult questions, right? These were like life-changing experiences that when I returned to New Hampshire, nobody gave a crap about. And I looked at my friends at their careers and they seemed so much further along. And I began to almost feel like, hey, did I waste time, right? And, and feel bad about my decisions. And then I realized that, no, actually those didn't put me, those experiences didn't put me behind. They allowed me to accelerate, right? Uh, because of, of, of having done those things. And so, you know what I mean? Oh. But in the moment it can be really easy and, and, and to, to, to regret those things, but they're actually very helpful. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the comparison trap that we tend to fall into, and it's not just the traditional keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality, though that certainly can be a problem. But like you said, just just in terms of career progression, if we look to previous generations, we look to our parents, for example, and what they did, great, that can inform us, that can give us insights and, and perhaps set us on a really great path. But we're not replicating anyone else's life. So just because it worked for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work for us. And again, there, you have to invest up front to accelerate into gains in the future. And usually in the short run, that looks like you're getting behind. You know, I, I, I went, I, I worked all through all my schooling, but man, I, I'm a professor. I, I went through, got two master's degrees and a PhD. Um, you know, it takes a long time <laughs> to go through all of that schooling. And in the meantime, you know, I have other people that I went to high school or, or undergrad college with who had gone off and done all sorts of really cool things. And here I'm still like in a dorm room, you know, or still like doing those things. But now, you know, 10 years, you know, 13 years actually removed from finishing that degree and, and having lots of really great experiences. I'm like, yeah, I can look back and I can say, I can say there were trade-offs, but it ultimately has benefited me. So we, you know, just don't fall into the trap of, of buying into those comparisons, uh, be comfortable with yourself and who you are. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's something you just have to learn to do because it's just so hard. It's, it's such a long, hard slog. And when you're trying to spin something up again, whether you're an entrepreneur in the traditional sense, starting a, a business, or even if you're just entrepreneurial in your mindset and you're within an organization trying to, you know, bootstrap a new initiative or something, it, it just takes a lot to, to get those things going. It takes a lot of emotional investment and certainly uh, the time commitment and, and everything like that. And there's going to be naysayers along the way. And there's going to be lots of people uh, that are going to, you know, you're going to question yourself and you have to have that resilience to be able to say, you know what, I don't care what other people say. I'm going to to keep pushing because I believe in this thing, uh, whatever it is you're doing. And and we just have to 
have to do that. You, you know, you, it resonates with me as you're sharing your, your overseas experience. I also uh, spent about two and a half years in South Korea very early in my career. And it was the same kind of thing at the time. I just thought super cool opportunity. I'm super excited to do this. I wasn't really sure what it would do for me, how it would pan out. Um, and in the immediate aftermath of that experience, for the most part, you come home and like you said, nobody cares. Like, they, <laughs> And in fact, people get annoyed really quick if you even want to talk about it because they don't even relate to it. And so nobody cares and you just get on with your life. But pretty soon, you know, within a few years, I'm, I'm starting to see companies being really interested in me that they would never have even looked at me uh, had I not had that experience. But now I, I have. And I've been able to build on it and leverage it. And it's actually served me, that experience has served me very, very well. You know, and now I'm a couple decades removed from it. And still, it's something that people look at when they look at my resume and they're like, wow, you did what? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it, it was awesome. And and uh, so don't don't undersell yourself and, and don't dismiss, you know, what you're doing just because it might look different than others around you. Well, two things. One, that, that you, to your point about people not caring, I literally lived in China for two years and I came back and my friend asked me if I learned Japanese. I said, nope, those are two different places. I wasn't in Japan. <laughs> uh, but to your point, to the point of like the, the, the beginning of this discussion, which is around success, right? The first thing you have to establish is what does success look like to you, right? Because those are very different approaches. Like if your success is like, just make a lot of money, well, maybe the entrepreneurial route isn't actually the path to be taking, right? Because there is a high, you can make a lot of money just working a cushy corporate job that you're not really like pushed, right? I have turned, I have, as I've grown older, realized that like, I have like a natural affinity towards pain. And like, I like being in like uncomfortable situations. Because You're a masochist, I, huh? <laughs> I have found that it's in those situations that I'm actually growing, right? Like at York IE, like a couple of years ago, like I called my brother and I said, hey man, I must be doing something wrong because I am just facing a new problem like every single day and they are coming from every direction. And he said, stop looking at them as problems and look at them as milestones of your growth you've gotten further than you've ever been before. So of course you don't know exactly what to do, right? And I said, well, that's really like a good perspective. It doesn't help me when I wake up in a cold sweat at two in the morning, but I've really taken that to heart. And I said, well, yeah, the pain is a byproduct of the growth. And I want to live a life where like I challenge myself and see like what's the best version of Adam Coughlin that can become both professionally and personally. Um, and for me, that has been the, you know, the startup journey because, it's just unprecedented, the, the challenges that are faced. Yeah, I like the framing around growth. Uh, again, life is messy. It's complex. It's hard. Everyone lives a hard life. Uh, you know, even people with tremendous privilege still have their challenges. Everyone has their things that they're dealing with. And so life is hard. Um, and let's not forget that. And, and let's just focus on the growth opportunities when we face the hard things. And, and certainly the entrepreneurial endeavor is a hard thing. Career development is a hard thing. Just learning about ourselves and learning who we are, what drives us, what our priorities are. That's a hard thing. That takes people a long time sometimes. And you, you think about uh, midlife crises that people have. 
uh, now that's just the, the phrase you don't it, you don't have to be midlife to have that crisis um you can have it any time and ultimately really what's at the crux of those usually is that people at some point there's some sort of a moment where they step back and they reflect on their life and they're like I'm not where I want to be. I'm not doing what I want to do. This doesn't align with my values or my priorities. And maybe it did in the past, but it doesn't anymore. And many people get into a career simply because that's what their parents thought they should do, or they're trying, you know, th that's what society said was a good job or, or whatever. So they, they end up following um, someone else's path instead of carving out their own path. And, and then, you know, they, they have their head down, they're working hard. And then 10 years in 20 years in, they realize I hate what I do. <laughs> I, I want to do something else. So it's, it's just so important, as you said, as early as we can, and as often as we can to self reflect on that and think about what does success mean to me? If I'm successful in my life, does that mean lots of money, power and influence, maybe and for some people, that's that that's what they value most and that's fine it doesn't mean you know family friends doesn't mean career growth and learning there's like so many different things it could be so what is success for you uh what and what are your priorities how do you prioritize the different types of outcomes um because i could value all those things i just mentioned but you know for me i'm a professor you know i chose to go through like ridiculous amounts of school now only to have a job that keeps me comfortably paid, you know, but it's it's not like I'm ever going to get rich off of it. And that was a choice because I valued the lifestyle. I valued the flexibility and the autonomy because I valued the time with my family. You know, those things, those were my top priorities. And so I had to recognize that and I had to build a life towards that. Otherwise, I would find myself in a situation where I wasn't happy or, or fulfilled or had an opportunity to, to live my best life. Uh, so again, that's me. Everyone's is different. Everyone has a different kind of a, a way of framing their life. And it, I, I just mentioned my personal life, but it's not just personal life. It's, it's same thing in your work and your career. What work gives me, you meaning and purpose, what work gets you excited? You know, those are the types of things you want to try to build into the work that you do, the, the career that you develop for yourself. Well, and I think the exercise of, of asking that of yourself personally is so important because it also makes you realize, okay, the way I answer that is different than the way somebody else will, right? And what we see a lot is like a lot of founders who start a company, um, you know, many of them are subject matter experts in a particular industry, right? And they had like a problem and then they wanted to solve it. And then they were like, oh, if I solve this problem, other people will want it, right? What they haven't done before is build a company. And that transition from like kick-ass individual contributor who can con completely control sort of the work product and everything in their environment to leader who has to influence and can't control and has to rely on other people to take over responsibilities and understand what motivates those people and how do they get the best out of those people can be a real stumbling block um, uh, for, for first-time founders. And so I think that just awareness of like, okay, great, like this is how I work. This is how I'm motivated. This is how I find meaning. How does my team operate? And how do I, you know what I mean, communicate that with them in a way that's going to resonate with them versus how I would communicate to myself. Right. And those are often different. Yeah, they are often different. And again, you, you just got to pay attention to it and, and focus in on what matters for you uh, and don't get caught up in, you know, what other people are doing. Um, 
you know, I, I think even from like an academic academic standpoint, I was very targeted in the type of academic career that I wanted to have. And it was different than, you know, I, I went, you know, to, I went to a really good university for my PhD. And when they're trying to, when you're finishing your, your program, their goal is to create academics that will go to other top programs to do top-notch research and, uh, and then make them look good. Right. And that wasn't what I wanted. And that was never why I got into academia. I wanted one, I wanted to be a, not just a, a scholar. I wanted to be a scholar practitioner and I wanted to focus on teaching and development of others first and right. foremost. And so I do research, I do plenty of research and I was trained well in how to do good research. Um, but that's not the priority. That's not the top focus of what I do. And so I went to a university that matched with my values and my priorities. And that gave me the autonomy and the flexibility to do consulting work and other practitioner focused leadership work um, on the side. And, and that's what brought me fulfillment. And man, when I made those decisions and started to build my career, the the people at my university and the department, you know, and my advisors and my chairs and, and whatnot, they were not happy. They they actually were quite upset that I would uh, do something so dramatically out of step with what they wanted for me. And ultimately, I had to just be okay with that. I just had to like realize they may not be happy with me because of these decisions and I don't care. It's not their life. It's my life. Um, I had, you know, that it resulted in having to navigate some politics, um, around, you know, finishing up my degree, but, but ultimately, you know, I've been able to carve out that life. So again, I I think these principles apply to anyone, whether you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or you find yourself in a more traditional type of career, these types of mindset pieces and the priorities and defining success, success for you, all of that's really, really important. Let's talk more now about entrepreneurship in the traditional sense. What are some of the most common challenges that you see entrepreneurs facing? You already mentioned a couple, but uh, what are what are some additional challenges that entrepreneurs face, and how can we go about overcoming them? Yeah, so I think uh, I think I loved your description of entrepreneurship in the sense of like I live in a world where I'm thinking about that often as startup founder. Uh, you know, uh, trying to solve a problem and build a business around it. I think that the entrepreneurial mindset, which is just like taking a new approach to problem solving is super imperative in every asset of life. Like if we could get, you know, more entrepreneurial thinking in some of the legacy institutions of education, of, of med- medicine, of law, of all of those things, the better. In the context of the founders that I work with, I think one of the you know, one of the problems that faces a founder is just that there's there's infinite things to be done. Uh, and so how do you allocate your time? And, you know, we talked earlier about sort of like this, just the digital landscape that we live in of this sort of like always on mentality. Uh, and like, uh, right, like uh, even in, even just doing this interview, I had to shut off Slack and sh- shut off my, my cell phone because I was getting... Uh, beeped right and I always like I always use this story of um, I read this in a book but Napoleon he used to have his secretaries deliver his mail three weeks after it arrived and that's because he knew that everything is urgent but that doesn't mean that everything is important right and so by the time he read the mail all of the things that were urgent but weren't important had resolved themselves and the things that were important 
we're in, we're still important three weeks later, right? But he didn't waste his mind, share, energy, stress on things that ultimately didn't matter. He devoted it to the things that actually moved. Well, not for him, but the business forward, um, right? And I think that is something like we end up being so reactive to everything. Hey, we're working. You know, how many times have you worked on something and then checked your email for some reason and then went down a whole nother thread and you can't solve like the big problems in between meetings and in and, and, and email, right? Like you have to actually carve out time to think. Um, and again, actually, it's a great analogy to what we talked about earlier, which is like, those experiences, the investing in yourself, which may in the short term seem like a step backwards is in the long term, what actually moves you forward. It's the same thing, right? Like everybody loves their, like I have it right next to me here, like my to-do list, right? Of like things that I have to check off. Um, but it's like those meaty things that aren't easily checked off that are the things that do it and you have to prioritize them. Same thing with like personal relationships, right? Like I used to, before I was married, I used to think, Oh, it's so funny that people schedule date nights with their spouse, right? Well, and then I started a company and I had three children and I realized if I don't make that time, I'm going to keep giving it away, right? And then the core relationship, the mo the real most important thing in my life is going to suffer from it, right? And it's the same for, for this way of thinking. It's like you have to prioritize it or else it's going to slip away. And then, you know what I mean? You're actually hurting yourself in the long run. Yeah. So, so how do we go about pr that prioritization process? There's just so much to do. Everyone's to-do list is so long. You mentioned Napoleon's approach uh, to, to just get rid of the, the urgent, but not important stuff. What are the types of things that you do? Uh, you know, scheduling, that's one approach. Uh, you know, if it's in my calendar, I know that I'm going to get to it. <laughs> so that becomes yep. a top priority. What are, what are some of the things that you've seen, whether in your work life, in your personal life, that have helped you uh, to, to have those priorities in place that align with your values in a way that you can drive for success and you can actually accomplish more? Uh, I think that for me, I am very tangible. Like I, I live in the calendar. And so that does become like, like, it's funny, like even my wife uses the calendar because she knows like if it's in there, it happens. And it's easy to like, and it's just, you, you, so so blocking the time in the calendar to be devoted to long-term strategic initiatives is crucial. And then you have to force yourself to have the discipline to keep it, right? Because like, it's easy to say like, oh, this is blocked, but like, oh, this other thing came up, right? And it's like, I think one of the biggest things that we as people can do is learn how to say no right like it's so easy to always want to say yes I am like and that's where I love like I work with a lot of engineers I find that like engineers just like hey there are six things on my plate all right you want to add another thing tell me which one of those six things I'm taking off right whereas like I'm a, like a marketer by nature which is like oh sure add that add that add that add that right and then all we've done is like um, you know, diluted the output of what we can do. And, and, and that's like, you know, there's a great book by Ryan Holiday about, which is called stillness is the key. And he just talks about, you know, 
is it better to do one thing really well or like a thousand things okay, right? And and that is like, it's interesting because in like the startup life cycle, there's like this flip. Like in the beginning, it's better to do a thousand things okay, right? Like the minimal viable product, like get out the door. Like, you know, Gary Vanderchuk says like uh, uh, document, don't create, like just do stuff, right? But then that begins to flip. Right. Like you got to like yell. And like uh, I'm a big component in this like drumbeat marketing philosophy, which is just like take a message that you want to get across and then think about different ways that you can say the same thing and then just say it over and over and over again. Because until you're sick of saying it, nobody else, it resonates with anybody else. Right. Like we literally like have a shorter attention span than goldfish. Um, so if you think that like you can just say something and people will like, know what you do or what your company is like it's not going to happen you have to hammer it and hammer it and hammer it but then it, there's a point where it flips and it's like okay now you've built up some brand equity you're known for something what are you saying and that's when you want to flip to that like okay maybe saying less is better but saying something really important um and and so it's just like having that understanding of that transition so that's a bit of a, a bit of a diatribe but i think blocking out the calendar having the discipline, prioritizing and fighting for your time, right? Like people always use the analogy, like you wouldn't let somebody steal $50 from you. Well, if your time is actually more valuable, like don't let them steal an hour. Um, and I think in doing that, like knowing, you know, what are the things, and that's where like, for me being a parent has been really uh, valuable because like each day you wake up and you're like, wow, I have 10 things I need to do. Um, but I can only do three of them. So which three am I going to do? And am I, am I going to be okay with those other seven going undone? And it's like, yeah, well, if I focus on the really the core three things, that's okay. And that's the same thing with company building. Like, even if you work 20 hours a day, you're not going to be able to do everything. And I think like that, that, that structure of just like, okay, prioritizing, 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 what is important, what is valuable, um, is the key and it, and you know it's not always defaulting to the things you want to work on um it's yep. defaulting on the things that are going to move the needle yeah because we tend to want to work on those things that are quick checkbox things right like we can i can get 10 things off my list turns out those 10 things don't actually matter that much but i can get 10 things off my list so then i feel really good you know so we have to have the discipline to recognize like you said to block chunks of time off to do the deep work, the heavy work, the, the strategic work, the, you know, those types of things that I just can't do quickly. You never can do them quickly. Um, that that's a hard thing, you know? So I think some people don't have the habit or the discipline to even use a calendar or set goals or to have checklists or those sorts of things. And if they don't, I would say, you know, first step, you know, move towards having anything like that as tools to help you um, to schedule your day and prioritize your day. Uh, but then the next step, you can't end there. The next step then is to actually really understand what's the most important and to not get caught into the trap of, of always just doing the easy lift um, and, and chasing the low hanging fruit. Sometimes chasing the low hanging fruit is great because you can have big impact with minimal amount of effort. Uh, but a lot of times those low, low hanging fruit items don't have any long-term payoff. Uh, and so you, you, in the long run, you're just kind of hurting yourself. Well, Adam, this has been a real pleasure. It's been a fun conversation. And I note the time I need to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you and find out more about your work and then give us a final word on the topic for today. 
Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm Adam Coughlin. You can follow uh, my company at york.ie. You can follow us on social at York Growth. You can follow me on social personally at Adam Coughlin. And, you know, and I think really what it comes down to is just like sort of that mind shift change, right? Like, I think everybody is very focused on the outcome. And it's like, how do you become obsessed and in love with the process? Because it's the process that happens every single day. And if you become in love with that, the outcome is going to take care of itself, right? But you're not living for that one moment, right? Like I worked at a company that sold for $600 million. And when I reflect on that experience, what do I think about? I remember the journey and being in it with the people that I really liked working with. I don't remember that actual day. I remember every, it, like it was the opportunity to work on something that I thought was meaningful that I really loved, right? And if you just remember that, it makes everything else better. And the outcome, all, it's, it's kind of funny because like the less you focus on the outcome, the better the outcome will be. It's true. It's true. Adam, this has just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Adam and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.